0: Hey, welcome to Free Indeed. This is the podcast where we get into the Word, tackle tough questions, get encouraged, and have lots of fun. Let's go. We serve a wonder-working God. He's not ashamed to call you His child. God is for you, not against you. What was meant for bad, He can turn for your good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Free Indeed. This is JD, and uh, sorry I've been a little inactive for a while, but you know, life happens and busyness happens. Anyway, have another episode for you today called the Matthew 721 Conundrum, and I titled it that because uh, even recently I had encountered um, just the the questioning, you know, everybody hears that, that phrase, uh, you know, when, when Jesus said, Um, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord will enter the gates of heaven or enter into heaven. So let me, let me do it uh, justice and actually start in Matthew seven today. So today we're going to be relaxed, but I'm going to slay another sacred cow. Um, you know, growing up, I heard messages that would catch Christians and sinners, you know, believers, non-believers in the same net. And it was just a fear-based message. And I really don't understand why you know, preachers would do this because if they really believed that it's, it was a pretty scary thing. And why would you want to believe that? Why would you want to preach and teach something that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you're caught in the same net that you're scaring everybody else with, but you're, you're coming at it from a stance as if you have this inroad to not experience the doom you're talking about, but you're the, but then, you know, they, then they wouldn't really give the solution i mean some sometimes you know a minister may say something like oh you know you just gotta get washed in the blood or whatever and it's like oh, yeah but <clears throat> i'm here today to hopefully help bring you a little more comfort and help you realize that if you've been washed once that was enough so anyway before i get on too bad of a rabbit trail here matthew 7 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Well, I'm, I'm going to reference this later, but Jesus said that the will of the father was to believe on him. It, it you know, they think, um, you, you'll hear a lot that the will of, the, of God is to, you know, do good, follow the 10 commandments, this and that. And, you know, it's another episode for another time, but the 10 commandments was never given to Gentiles. It was never given to any other group of people, except for the, the Jews uh, exiting Egypt at that specific time. So, but again, that's a whole another sacred cow for another time, but, but it it does bear some, some thinking about, uh, in between now and, uh, whenever I choose to go after that one, uh, you know, it it is something to consider that there's nowhere else in the Bible that you see God addressing Gentiles with, uh, the 10 commandments or any other set of laws. You know, anyway, so uh, my first note, if you're taking notes, point number one, Jesus couldn't say never if he did know you at some point. So this verse has been used to scare Christians as well, that even if you've done this, that, and the other, and done amazing things for God and cast out demons and uh, done miracles and this and that, that you better watch it because at some point you could still hear Jesus say, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, As righteous as God is, as righteous as Jesus is, he couldn't say that he never knew you if he knew you at some point. You know what I mean? So he he wouldn't lie. He would then have to say, well, I knew you, but you goofed up a little too much there at the end. Or, hey, you know, that one thing you did, I really never forgave you of that. It would have to be something like that. But he doesn't go there. He says, I never knew you. So I believe this is reserved for uh, people that think they've known the Lord Uh, you know, oh, my grandmother prayed for me when I was 10. Oh, I went to church one time or, oh, you know, I was, I was sprinkled when I was a baby. I'm good. I think people that never move on from that and never actually develop a relationship with the Lord, never actually get saved and born again. Um, it'll be, that'll be one uh, category of people that they think they know the Lord or they think they're good, you know, for the next life, uh, because of one thing that was not actually them believing on Jesus. So um, let's go on to the second point. So that's my first point to tackle Matthew 721 right off the bat. We're just going after it right off the bat. Uh, If you're a Christian, Jesus can't say this to you because the Bible says elsewhere, and I'll cover this later, that if you love God, you know God or rather are known by him. Paul said that and that it's a comforting thing to know that You don't have to do any kind of spiritual gymnastics. You don't have to do anything major or fast long enough or read, you know, enough of the Bible, this, that, or the other to prove that you have a relationship with God. Your relationship begins the moment you say, I do, just like a a marriage. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say, I do, I believe, I do accept you as my Lord and Savior, relationship started. And if the relationship started at some point, he can't say we never had a relationship. He can't say I never knew you. So relax and be be comforted knowing that if you're a Christian, you're automatically immune to Matthew 7.21. Okay. Point number two, if you're sealed by the Spirit until redemption, uh, Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30, those are my scripture references, then you can't be unknown by the one who sealed you. So here's another point. Here's another. Uh, here, here's another slash at the sacred cow. How can he say he never knew you if he sealed you once you were saved? And let's let's go there, because uh, if you're anything like me, when other ministers mention scripture or just post it, I really like it when they actually say it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> or whenever they uh, actually type it out, so I can read it. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Ephesians 1.13. In him, talking about Jesus, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So what does that tell you? You're sealed after you believed, so he sees your faith. He sees you believe, and boom, you're sealed. And what what it, what are the qualities of that seal? Well, until the day of redemption, what is that judgment day? The day we all stand before the Lord. You're you're going to either be redeemed or you're going to not be. You know. And he he says the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit, is the guarantee, the promise of our inheritance. What what is inheritance? Going to heaven, being a part of God's family. You know, it, it's really simple until the redemption of the purchased possession. So we're, per, we're purchased by the blood of Jesus, but we're, we haven't been fully redeemed yet. You know, our spirit is, and yes, we're redeemed in a future sense. We, we're going to be redeemed and we are redeemed, but until the day of redemption, um, we are his purchased possession to, and, and for this, we ought to give him lots of praise and glory. Amen. So, and uh, Ephesians four 30, let's go there too, really quick. Okay. Blue Letter Bible is a really good app. Just saying. Okay. Uh, Verse 30. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed again for the day of redemption. So, uh, if any of you have heard condemning messages, scary messages from ministers that also wanted to include Christians in the possibility that one day Jesus will say he never knew you, you can just toss that whole thing out. I mean, with two verses here, I've totally destroyed uh, any message that tries to collect Christians in that net as well. And you can disagree or argue with it if you want, but at that point, um, you you will be defending more of a theological foundation that you have that I've clearly shown you is wrong. Um, and if you want to continue to defend a stance against that, then... Rather than fighting for truth at this point, you would be fighting to continue to prove something that you are comfortable holding on to because maybe it preaches good or it sounds good. And actually, a message like that doesn't even preach good. So, yeah, I said it. Anyway, so you can't be unknown by the one who sealed you. He placed that seal on you. So, uh, point number three, the will of the Father is to believe on Jesus. So, if you believe on Jesus, then God knows you. You've done God's will. If you if you have believed on Jesus, you have done the will of God for your life. Now, I'm not talking about the very specific will, like God, why'd you put me on this earth? Besides to be saved and to you know minister to others, um, you know, I'm not saying that that's the end all, be all as far as like you know sit down until He returns and twiddle your thumbs. But you've done the the capstone, the the biggest point for your life has been accomplished. If you believe in Jesus, you've done the grand will of the father to believe on his son, to be saved and be in the family. And now your adventure can start. So just be comforted in knowing that just being saved. There's so much to being saved to begin with that it is, it's immense. So, uh, John six, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he sent. Because if you back up in a verse Verse 28 they said to him What shall we do that we may work The works of God or to do The will of God And he said another translation say the will of God Rather than work um, If I remember correctly Anyway and again he says to them this is the work Or the will of God that you believe on him who he sent And him is capitalized there And Jesus is talking about himself So boom proof right there If you believe on Jesus you are doing the will of God <laughs> So let that bring you comfort if you're like me and just, you know, in a sincere effort, you're like constantly praying, God, what's your will for my life? Show me your will. Show me your will. Jesus right there has just shown us what his will for your life is. And then from there, let God have the opportunity and the time every day to just unfold the next page of your journey and adventure every day. Don't stress about it. Just wake up every morning. Be ready for whatever God has for you. Have an open heart and mind and just learn to be okay with the way that your day goes, you know? Okay. So again, if you believe on Jesus, God knows you. He's placed his seal on you. He wasn't like putting his hand over his eyes and then with the other hand, randomly putting seals on people. Like, I don't know where you're at, but I'm, some of y'all are going to get sealed and I don't, I can't see you, but you know, uh, later on, on judgment day, I'll, I'll, I'll realize who I actually sealed. No, he, he is not going to be unaware of anything. You know, his, his understanding is unfathomable. He's omniscient. He's all omnipresent, all, all powerful, all knowing. Um, nothing is arbitrary. Nothing is just willy nilly with God, and especially something as important and serious as the seal of the Holy Spirit on your spirit. So he knows you. All right. Number four, sinning doesn't equal Jesus not knowing you. Here are some examples Peter, we all know the story, Peter denied Jesus three times, when Paul later on became one of the apostles, he rebuked Peter, because Peter was basically being two-faced, you know, with the Gentiles, he'd be cool, and then when the Jews came around, he'd, he'd take side with the Jews and start preaching a little bit of the law again, and Paul, you know, stood him to his face, and Paul wrote about that. Paul, Romans 7, when Paul talked about, you know, when he tried to follow the law again, here's another reference to the Ten Commandments, you know he tried to follow it again and instead of him finding peace and joy and happiness because that's what we find in the lord only not even trying to follow the law there's nothing it it isn't pretty it it doesn't feel good trying to follow the set of rules that you know uh, no one can perfectly achieve anyway anyway and so paul said it actually created in him all manner of evil desire all kinds of perverse desires he says uh you know if you were to put it in a modern phrase, you know, all kinds of evil erupted when he tried to rely on his own humanistic self strength to try and be righteous and be holy by some sort of moral standard. And that's what he was talking about. King David, we all know that. We all know the story. He was anointed to be king over Israel, he was a great man, man after God's own heart. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him, too, obviously, but, you know, he blew it. I mean, you go back and read uh, the story of David in, in the book of Samuel, and, you know, if you were to take the same scenario now and apply it to some politician or leader somewhere in the world, you'd say, man, off with his head, like, this dude is crazy, you know he's supposed to be, uh, you know, a Christian. Supposed to be a godly man. He's over here s- deliberately sending his best friend to his death so he can take his wives to ho- to cover up and hide his shame by, you know, getting his friend's wife pregnant. <laughs> I mean, you talk about uh, just a blistering scandal, and God still restored him. God loved him. God honored him after that even, and didn't toss him away. Didn't condemn him to hell. He still had a relationship with God, uh, Thomas doubting. We're all, we all say doubting Thomas, but I think he gets too much of, of a bad rap because how many times these days do we not believe something until we can, until we see it, you know, like Thomas. And, you know, the Bible talks about faith uh, or a lack of faith being sin. That if it's not faith, it's sin. And that's not condemning anybody, not to condemn anybody, but you know, uh, we all, Oh, that Thomas, you know, so doubtful, but we're the same way, honestly. Um, You know, we try not to be and it's we need to be in a place where we can just have faith that what we prayed for, God's on it, God's working on it. And until you see it, believe that it's it's coming about according to God's will, you know. So all these people you know, and so Thomas, you know, it was it, it was sin for him to say he actually said, I won't believe unless I can see him and touch him. Of course, talking about Jesus being resurrected. So at first he didn't even believe in the resurrection. He didn't believe in the second powerful half of the gospel that not only did jesus die for our sins he also rose because it worked Be- the bible says in some translations because of our justifi- justification not just um not just uh how did it word it not just for our justification but because because the cross worked he rose from the dead and proved he rose up without sin he put sin away as joseph prince would say he destroyed sin I like to think of it, uh, you know, those verses that talk about our sin has been removed f- from us as far as the east is from the west. That he has annihilated our sin. Uh, the Bible says uh, that, you know, he's blotted out our sins like a thick cloud and like a cloud our iniquity. The word there in the Hebrew, I did a, I did a word study on uh, Blue Letter Bible. And the word for blotting out is, uh, the Hebrew word would be synonymous with destroying or annihilating. Amen. So let that comfort you. Jesus has annihilated your sin and removed it from you so even if it still like was in some weird realm or something it's removed from you anyway but even better than that not only did he remove it in a, in a place where you can never go back and be rejoined to your sin he completely annihilated it and i like to think of a skeet shooting you know it flies away from you and then when you pull up the shotgun and you destroy it you, you pull the trigger it just the, the clay piece goes into hundreds of pieces it's destroyed but even more thorough than that that's that's a earthly example So imagine that, but completely more thorough. Okay. Uh, Last example of that just because you mess up in sin doesn't mean that suddenly Jesus doesn't know you anymore. Your sin is not powerful enough to give him a sudden case of amnesia. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thief on the cross. The thief on the cross. Jesus told him. today you'll be with me in paradise, because the thief leaned over and said, Lord, remember me in your your kingdom. He didn't do anything for the Lord. He didn't win any souls. He didn't knock on any doors. He didn't help pass out bread to the hungry. He didn't do anything for the Lord. He spent his entire life working against the Lord by working evil and unrighteousness and stealing and probably murdering, you know, just not a good guy. In the last few minutes of his life, you know, I'll be respectful. I was going to say sorry life, but last few minutes of a sorry existence, and again, no disrespect, but You know, the last thing he did was just, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Please, please don't forget me. You know, he repented and Jesus counted that as saving faith right there. So he's going to see Jesus one day in heaven and he was sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not going to tell that thief on the cross. I never knew you because the thief didn't have time to do anything for Jesus to be known by Jesus. He, He knew Jesus for a couple of minutes and then died and then was with him in paradise so let that give you comfort. And as I go along, I'm, I'm finding way more application and examples where the thief on the cross uh, example is very applicable and can bring you comfort in so many different ways. So, all right, point five, the seven sons of Skiva. So the seven sons of Sceva are a possible type of, uh, you know, Matthew seven twenty one. And the story is in Acts chapter 19. It's an example of a person who thinks that they know God, but really have no clue. They really don't know Jesus. They really have no personal relationship with him. So, so I'll go ahead and turn over there in Acts. And if you want to go with me, Acts chapter 19. And let's just, let's just start with the first verse because this will kill another, uh, Sacred cow, while we're at it, two for one, two two cows with one swing. <laughs> so it says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. So there, there's another sacred cow that, you know, you're baptizing the Holy Spirit and this and that at, on the point of salvation. You get the Holy Spirit; He is present in your life, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. However, being baptized with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and being baptized in the in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit is a separate occasion. Jesus talked about it. Paul, right here, you're about to see, prove to them it's a whole different experience. So, so Paul said to them, "What into what were you baptized then, or what baptism you know, or do you know?" And they said, "John's baptism." And he said to them, Paul. Well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, Christ, Jesus. And they heard this, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I'm going to highlight that. So there's there's a bonus sacred cow thrown on the barbecue for you right there. (laughs) Now the men were about twelve in all. And he went to the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, which if you don't know this, uh, the beginnings of Christianity, they just called it the way. And, and, you know, that's how they identified if you were a believer. Uh, So they spoke evil of the way before the multitude and he departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs, this is where we get prayer cloths and tokens and stuff like that, even handkerchiefs or aprons, you know, articles of clothing that touched Paul, that were brought from his body to the sick, and it caused diseases to leave them and the evil spirits left them. So I don't know about you, but I really, I want to be used. Like I want God to use me for unusual miracles. I want, you know, and and recognize Paul didn't do anything to deserve that. I don't think he prayed and fasted and asked God specifically for that. I think it was just a a bonus. Like, you know, Paul was full gear in his ministry and God decided, you know what? I'm going to put so much of my power on him that anything that touches him and touches somebody else, it's going to be a transfer of power and it's going to save, you know, save them from an evil spirit and and cleanse them of a sickness. Okay, so verse thirteen. Here's uh, we're getting back on point about um, people who think they are working the works of God, or that they know God and they really don't. Some of the in, itinerant Jewish uh, exorcist. So here's some here's some context. Just picture they're already Jewish exorcists. They already are. By some method trying to use power to make evil spirits leave people aside from the name of Jesus. So they took it upon themselves, this group of Jewish exorcists, to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And this is how they did it. They realized, oh, there's something more powerful than what we've been doing. Let's try that method. To them, it was a method. To them, it was just another way of doing business. It was just another tool for them. It was not them coming into saving relationship with Jesus, calling and actually believing on the name of Jesus for them it was just like, oh, let's see if this works, guys. So, they started saying, "We exercise you by the name of Jesus," who Paul preaches. Other translations may say we adjure you or command you, you know, just but it, I think that's even more um, accurate. And I'm reading from New King James Version, by the way, if anybody wants to know. And also there were seven sons of Sceva, he was a chief priest. So these sons, it says they also did, they did so, meaning they were also Jewish exorcists. So schivo was a, high, a Jewish priest. Uh, he was high ranking, but his sons were Jewish exorcists. Okay. And there was uh, apparently a, uh, this is apparently landing us in the middle of a predicament where there is a man that they're currently trying to exorcise a, a demon out of. And uh, so... They, they used this phrase, the seven sons of Sceva said this, you know, in, uh, we exercise you by the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, you know. Basically, it's like, hey, we're going to try, we're going to borrow one of Paul's tools and see if it works, okay? There's absolutely no respect for the name of the Lord there and absolutely no relationship. Uh, still, Still Judaizers in the synagogue, they're not of the way, they're not Christians, so... The evil spirit responded to them when they tried this by saying, Hey, the Jesus that Paul preaches, we command you in his name, you know, come out. And the evil spirit said, Jesus, I know and Paul, I know, but who are you? And then the man that had the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them and got, the word says prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And verse 17 says, this became known both to Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. I'm going to go on and read 18 and 19. Uh, verse 18 says, "Many who believed came and confessed, telling their deeds, meaning they repented and you know felt the need to confess you know their previous lifestyle of sin, I guess, and confessed, also confessing Jesus as Lord and believed, and they told about their deeds." Verse 19 also says, "Also many of those who practiced magic." which I think the Jewish exorcists, I don't know why I get the feeling, they probably tried to dabble in some other things, thinking that just like people nowadays, that they can have power, uh, you know, to to do things. Um, Many who practiced magic brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So right there, is another example, the seven sons of Sceva and the Jewish exorcist that, you know, let's just say prior to that incident that they had some sort of success or what seemed to be success in casting out spirits. And then on judgment day, you know, Hey Lord, we used your name. We we used your name to do this. And G, you know, cause the, you know, Matthew seven, 21 and 22 talks about, they said, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this, that, and the other in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. So I think, that it's not that people actually, it's not for Christians to be afraid. It's not a, it's not a scare message of, Hey, you could even get to the level of casting out demons and working miracles in Jesus name. And still Jesus will condemn you to hell one day. And and then, because then it sends you on a wild goose chase of, well, what is salvation then? how do I really get saved? Well, of course, we know it's in the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. It's, you know, believing what he did for you on the cross. And uh, honestly, you know, the messages, the sacred cows and, trying to slay here are the messages that would basically devalue and try to take the power away from the gospel and from the message of salvation. If you do that, then you're placing salvation somewhere else on someone or something else, because then where are you going to go as a minister? Then what are you going to say? How do you really get saved then? Well, then if you're not going to say, oh, it's just simply believing and accepting Jesus and being born again, The Bible says that you're born again when you do that and that you have the seal of the Holy spirit placed on you until the day of redemption or until judgment day. When you do that, if you're going to say, nah, none of that works, uh, we don't really know how to know Jesus. And even you can even do miracles in his name and have him confirming the word with you and then still, you know, kick you to the curb on judgment day. Then you, then you would have to logically say, well, okay, then there's some other way to be saved. Then then who's going to make it in? And, and then, of course, we know that's just heresy. So the only way to be saved is through Jesus, Jesus alone, not your good works, not your good Christian works. No work saved you except the work of the cross that Jesus did. And that's why he did it and not you. So that is an example, I think, of people that would be confused on Judgment Day thinking that they used the name of Jesus so they must know him and must be saved when in reality that's that's not the same as actually believing and calling on the name of Jesus to be saved okay so yeah they had no clue who Jesus was they had no relationship with him they just tried to do business thinking they were just upgrading their tactics and methods for them it was just an upgrade so that's that's why okay so point number six, uh, It's salvation is not about works, not even good ones. Okay, and we know that I've covered that before. The The message of grace, the gospel, is not about you doing good things so that Jesus is so impressed that he's just going to let you dwell with him for eternity. No, because no one, the the biggest philanthropist in the world cannot impress the Lord because Jesus did more for you than a million dollars ever could than the biggest, nicest house ever could, than the richest family member that just takes care of you completely ever could. No one else can buy you eternal life other than Jesus, and he already did that. So believe on him today. Accept him. Receive him. And it's free. That's the most awesome thing, is it's free. Okay, so point number seven, uh, God isn't looking to destroy the seal that he so dearly paid to save you with. You know, earlier I mentioned about the seal of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 4 verses 30. You know, why would God pay so dearly to save you? The blood of his own begotten son, his only one unique begotten son. No one else, nothing else like Jesus. He gave his best. You know, why would we think And on top of that, when you accept him, he placed this divine, eternal seal on your spirit until he comes to redeem us. So why would he set up this whole thing just to undo it? Because of, you know, oh, you goofed up in the 11th hour, you know, it it just doesn't make sense. Would you burn your house down because you find some dirt in it? No, that would be stupid would you drive your car off a cliff because there you found a french fry between the seat and the console no you'd just clean it wouldn't you you paid all that money for that car you paid all that money for the house and all the investments you've put in the house all the upgrades and remodeling and it's yours you love it you've spent time there there's history there there's sentimental value there but because you know a uh, dog pooped in the corner or you know there's a smudge on the carpet or something you're just you're just going to you know, light the house on fire and condemn it and hate it. No, of course not. God's not doing the same with us either. And just because there's, there's a mistake or there's sin, just repent, change your mind to the best of your ability, quit, rely on God to give you power to quit and just know he's already forgiven you of it. Okay. Not saying snuggle up to the dirt in your house and kiss it and become best friends with it. No, get rid of it. You know, who, who doesn't clean their house? You know what I mean? So, Anyway, all right, last point, point number eight. Jesus said that he would never turn anyone away. And my comment is this side of Judgment Day. So let's go to John 6, 37. We were in John earlier, but let's go back to John chapter 6, one of my favorites. And this will be the bow that ties all this together today. Okay. So... John six thirty seven, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Okay, see y'all later. <laughs> no, just kidding, but for real. I mean, do you really? Who do I? I don't need to pull out more verses. Okay, I don't need to debate. I don't need to try and convince any more. That right there. Proves that anyone who who feels the wrath of Matthew seven twenty one and twenty two one day they never John six thirty seven okay they never came to Jesus. If you John six thirty seven you'll never get Matthew seven twenty one okay. And uh, I hope this blessed you. I hope this really helped clear up some um, the pastures of your heart where too many sacred cows have been leaving way too much manure and stinking up your thinking. And I really hope that, uh, you know, it's open people's eyes and uh, nothing I've said today is to cause any kind of controversy. Of course, it's only to bless and encourage and uplift and to spread the gospel that Jesus loves you uh, so much. He came to die for you so that you don't have to die and be eternally separated from him. We are his crowning creation. There's Nothing better than humanity in God's eyes uh, To the point where he's God He could have done away with us completely And started over, but he didn't want to And, you know, in Revelations It talks about Jesus being the Lamb Slain before the foundation of the world The foundation of the world Before this earth was created Before Adam and Eve messed up And sent us all into this, you know Fallen reality God already knew he would have to redeem us And he chose to take that path He chose to take that route and we should just give him all the glory and thanks and honor that he thinks that we're that valuable and praise him for it amen well let's uh let's head out with a prayer lord thank you for this time thank you for the revelation thank you so much for your word your word interprets the word the bible interprets bible and thank you father that if there's ever a verse or ever any type of theology that maybe we're confused about, we can find it in your word. And I pray uh, any who listens to this today that you would open the eyes of their heart and the ears of their heart so they could hear and see and understand and realize the value they have, the security of the believer, that if we believe and have received you in sincerity, that you're never going to tell us to go away. You're never going to turn us away. You hear? You heard that first prayer that someone may have said when they were five you heard that first time somebody repented and believed and accepted you and thank you lord it doesn't matter what the journey has looked like since then it doesn't matter we're not saved because we have a a clean journey we're not saved because we have a flawless journey where we never make mistakes we're not saved because our journey keeps us completely on the squeaky clean path we thank you god it's your blood that saves us and that as we yield to you you'll help us walk right you'll help us live a righteous life But we're not saved because of a varying degree of righteousness. We're saved because of your blood and the righteousness that you impart to us as a free gift. We thank you, God. I pray that you would just make this a a reality and a a stark revelation for anybody hearing this. Uh, Whether they have studied your word or not, Lord, that it be a refreshing word and a comforting and uplifting word for all who hear it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright guys, thanks for listening today. I hope it blessed you. Uh, If you have any prayer requests, feel free, free Show at gmail.com. I don't don't check it every day, so I apologize in advance if it takes me a minute to get back to you. Uh, Also, uh, if you would like to donate, help support the ministry, help me grow it. I greatly appreciate that, and I pray God's blessings on you. And I hope you all have a great day. We'll catch you later. Take care. And remember, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Forever.